the the funny thing is is most actors that see their acting as a business sit there and think in their head about marketing and think about strategy and think about this but they're not really running it like a business because if they would they'd be looking at their balance sheet going holy crap that is darren darnborough and i'm lee foster you're listening to action the no bullshit podcast dedicated to the pursuit of acting excellence Darren is a London-born actor and entrepreneur who now lives in LA. He's known for the British hit EastEnders, the US cult show True Blood, and now has a role in the series Roots, premiering in May. What has your experience been like so far in LA? Personally, I love it in LA. I really do. Um, I love getting away from it as well. I have to go on a lot of trips to to continue to enjoy it. Um, But, you know, it's the hub of the entertainment industry here, and that is that's not the only reason i came i came because i wanted something different from london in my life in general just a lifestyle choice but it made sense that i would come to somewhere where entertainment happens as well i got the best of both worlds and my experience here has honestly been a lot different to how people tell you it is you know people tell me and I still hear it because I know a lot of the the people coming over. You know, I'm like I'm like that guy that the Brits when they come to LA seek out and ask some advice often because I just know a lot of people that have moved over and I've been involved in several sort of expat groups here. Um, but people have this preconception of LA that it's fake, that it's tough, that it's lonely, that it's all these things, which it can be, but it's not if you don't make it that way. I've never be- heard about a city in the world before where so many people have a judgment of it before even going. Everyone thinks they know LA. That you know, you'll you'll speak to people that haven't even been to America. Uh, oh, LA's filthy. I'm like, really? I don't know. My street gets cleaned way more here than it does in England. Or LA's full of fake people. Sure, there's some people with some plastic surgery. That's not all that's here. And and you get that everywhere. You know, so whatever stereotype you can think of, I could probably quash it with a very concrete example. Um, The most interesting being that, you know, the people that I found that are successful in the entertainment industry are actually some of the nicest, most inspirational people I've ever met. I have to admit, um, this is something I've wondered about for a long time, and I, 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 uh, I have to admit that I don't know much about it. But what is the TV and film industry in the UK like? And then what are the differences between that industry and the industry in Hollywood? Okay, I mean, there's there's a lot of differences there, Lee. Um, that said, I've been away for 10 years. I've been back back and forth a little bit to do work, but I'll, I'll start off by this. The TV industry has definitely changed in England recently. I mean, the quality of content is getting a lot better. A um, couple of things in mind, uh, a Downton Abbey and Peaky Blinders, uh, which I feel like a lot of people haven't seen Peaky Blinders. If you haven't, check it out because it's amazing. It's some of the most, I think, stylish television to come out of the UK in years. And films, see, I'm on the fence of British films. I either think they're incredible or I think they're terrible. There's the, when a British film hits, it's amazing. The quality is amazing. The acting is amazing. Um, but the main difference, I've got to say, is probably budget. And that affects all areas of our industry, right? So the, the budget to make the productions is way different. It's much, 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 much smaller in England. So that means not not only what you see on screen is different, you know, people have to work within different parameters in terms of set pieces, costumes, lighting, everything. Everything's done on a smaller scale, except for Bond, (laughs) Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars is filmed there, but I mean, it's largely an American production. So it's like 
I don't want us to get confused about stuff that's filmed there with the TV industry there and the film industry there. Um, and then again, there are anomalies as well. Spectre and, and Star Wars is an anomaly. Regular TV and film has a much smaller budget. That means the actors get paid way less. That means everything feels a little bit more amateur, to, in my opinion. Even though the actors might be good or might be excellent and the directors might be excellent, they're working within different budget parameters. Um, the, the, there's another difference as well in that I find that the opportunities are way less. We, we simply make less stuff in England. Um, so again, one we talked about, you know, preconception of LA. People go, "Oh, there's so many acts in LA." Yeah, but there's so many jobs. That's relative. Right. So I would rather be in a place with more jobs and more more competition than a place where I've got less competition but nothing's going on. Now, this is going to be controversial. I actually think as well, American television and film actually take more care over their casting choices and their their talent as well. And I say it because of this reason. It's possible and and usual for actors to be in the same TV series over and over again in England as different characters. Mm. Like it, I'm, I'm not saying that's going to happen all the time, but it definitely happens. You'll see. I, I did one TV show three times, right? Now minor minor characters, but it, that I just don't feel like that would happen here. There's much more emphasis on being being specific. Um, and so the knock-on effect of that is, you know, when I was in England and I'd, I'd done a show several times, albeit in tiny little roles, I was thinking, well, I don't want to do this again. I want to do that. You know, uh, I, I want to do a BBC period drama. And then you'd see those actors getting used over and over again, even, even in different shows, in that same vein. It feels very clicky, typecasty, and and you just operate within your circle. Hmm. And... You know, to give you some idea of, you know, the joke of, of the small amount of work there is in England, whenever I meet a British person that comes to L.A., we always joke about how you would have done one of three shows. And they always have. They're, you know, it's our main soap opera, EastEnders. It was our um, police drama, which is now cancelled, called The Bill, because it was on four times a night, four times a week. So and every episode had three or four, you know, new criminals in it. So the chance of you being in one of those shows was high, but at the same time, everyone's done one of those three shows, the, the hospital drama, the police drama, or the soap, um, which kind of shows you how, how unvaried the work can be. So they're the main, main differences. And then the other difference, um, you know, and I'm speaking for LA here because obviously there's different climates all over the, the US and I'm just being LA centric, but the, the, you know, the weather and the environment for to me for hollywood has a massive impact on the industry because people just generally feel better about themselves here and that that translates into your work into the audition room and into your failures you know i remember one time i just arrived in la about four or five months later um so about four or five months in and i'd got to to be you know being cast quote unquote opposite forrest whitaker for a, a movie and he just won an oscar and i was ecstatic um, and then right at the last moment, my agent called me and was like, oh, I don't know how to tell you this, but they just changed their mind again. And I lost it like that. And that would have been like a, a great thing to have, you know, have come to LA and, you know, when you got your friends like nagging you from back home, oh, is anything going on back there? How is it? You know, to be able to go, oh yeah, I'm working opposite an Oscar winner this week. Oh yeah, he just won the Oscar, by the way. That would have been a cool thing to do. Um, when that fell apart, I remember 
feeling a bit, you know, down. We're feeling very down. Let's not be an understatement. And I grabbed a friend. I drove to the beach, um, and we sat and I had some some seafood and a margarita with our toes in the sand. And I was like watching the sunset. And I was like, is is this that bad? I'm in, I'm in Malibu. I'm watching a sunset and I'm, I'm eating some fresh seafood. This this doesn't suck, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And so that's important for me to remember that. So um, you are uh, a successful entrepreneur. Can you take us through just a, a, an abbreviated version of the history of your entrepreneurship? Yeah, the abbreviated version is um, I always wanted to act and I never wanted to have to have a bar job, quite simply. Um, I, I wanted to, you know, from a young age, I, I got my first agent at 16 and I was acting amateur before that. So once I started working as an actor, like at, at, at the relatively young age of 16, which is when in England, you know, you've left school, you considered an adult in, in a lot of ways. I saw that as a job, but I didn't see it as a feasible job for a long time to live the kind of lifestyle I wanted. Right. And this is an important point because people, people's judgment of success is different. Right. Success is relative. You know, it's relative to what you want to spend, where you want to live, what you want to do and what, what you're measuring yourself against. So for me, I was like, well, I know that I don't want to lead this starving artist life. It doesn't appeal to me. There's no romanticism in it. I want to pay my bills. Right. I want to eat well. <laughs> I, want to, I want to go on vacation. So I always look for a way of how can I be fully available for acting, be fully present for acting, never say no to an audition, never say no to a job and still make money. I still make enough money that I never say no to getting new headshots when I need them or, or, or stuff like that. So I would, I, I started out picking up a lot of flexible jobs, things that I could say yes or no to at my discretion whenever. So there'd be one day contracts or whatever. Um, I did a lot of promotional work, that kind of stuff. But I was always looking, you know, one of my heroes is Richard Branson, Sir Richard Branson now. And I was always looking to leverage you know, I was always looking to how can I make passive income? How can I, you know, not be paid an hourly wage, but be paid an technically an infinite amount for doing one action or, or one piece of work. Um, so that I was always just drawn to business ideas and I went through a few of them. I was a, a you know, a nightclub promoter for a while and I realized that had a, a cap and it also had a detriment in that you stopped enjoying it and it was a lot of hard work, that kind of thing. But I loved the fact that you know, I could go and run a party in a nightclub one night and earn 300 pounds and another night I could run this, do the same amount of work and it would make me a thousand pounds because people were having more fun and drinking more and I was getting paid more. I liked that scalable um, concept. So I've always looked at entrepreneurial ideas as a way of supplementing the lifestyle that I want so that I can keep myself available for acting and not complain about having no money. That's, that's really the truth. Um, I guess the first successful thing I did was the the nightclub promoting but it's successful to a certain level and then because I was doing a lot of promotional work which actors often do to fill in between acting jobs and it's because it's super flexible and it uses the same skills I came up with an idea to put that industry online it was very archaic it's very you know phones and and notepads and so I put a database online of staff with a last minute availability which suited an actor's schedule because no one ever knows what they're up to um, that, that company was called Stuck for Staff. Um, I started that 13 years ago with a business partner of mine. We were both on a job at the time, and I was like, hey, do you think this would work? We went home, put you know a small amount of our own money into it, sat there and worked on it for a, for a few months, and then launched it, and it became a, 
it became the the main hub for people doing promotional work in the UK and then we launched in the US and so since then I've realized that you know it's a great feeling when you wake up and you've earned money and you're like oh I didn't actually do anything for that money right then I woke up and there it was and it used the same skills from acting it used the same world if you like I you know I I knew the customers because they're all people that that I knew that weren't getting enough acting work that wanted more money so that that's kind of how how those kind of things evolved and the same with the current company I'm doing now we rehearse it's just taking uh, the needs of an industry that I know about which is acting and creating a business system around that to serve those people and help them earn more money right and this is for the listeners who don't know this this is how I got to know you is um, I was I got an audition I got a last minute audition uh, it was like a, the day of I think I got it and I had four hours to prepare before I had to be at the audition. It was a big audition and um, my, uh, my acting coach was, was busy. I live alone. I don't have a roommate that I could read with. Even if people do have roommates, I mean, there's no guarantee when that roommate's going to be there or how many times you can say, hey, <laughs> sit down for an hour with me and just read these lines back and forth for no benefit to you. Yeah. Um, and uh, I admit that a lot of times I use my mom, and I really appreciate the fact that she's uh, she'll sit on the phone with me and she'll read the other lines over and over again, and um, it's great. But you know, those people aren't always available. So I thought, what the hell am I going to do here? And I I remembered seeing your company. Uh, I think I ran into it on Twitter, and I thought, what the hell? I'll just go on here. And I was expecting, to be perfectly honest with you, I was expecting it to be something that was gonna, I was going to go on. It was going to be too complicated, and I was going to say, okay, that doesn't work either. But it was so simple. Um, I'll let you explain exactly what it is. But um, it's you know, I within three minutes, I was talking to a fellow actor via a video chat. He, I had uploaded the uh, script straight to the site. And he had the lines right in front of him, and we were going over the lines. And we did it for 25 minutes. I felt 100% better, and I went to the audition. And I just thought, i got to meet this guy. And that's how, that's how this whole thing started. Well, Lee, thanks for that, because you, you actually had the, the optimal experience that we rehearsed. I mean, that, that is exactly how it should work. What you just described was, was what we dreamed. So like, thanks for having that experience and telling people about it, because... You know, when we sat there and, and was planning out the site, we were trying to make sure that all of those things hit. You know, it, it's it's an urgent situation. It's exactly what you said. You don't have anyone around you. Um, and then the, the elevated version of that is is once you become a, a more experienced user of the site, you can actually start looking for the right person as well. So there's two there's two things. It's a sort of SOS service when you really need someone. But we've got people on there that go go and and drill down to I want this type of person because I'm reading this type of role, right? Or I want advice from this TV show that I'm auditioning for, and I know you've worked on it. I, I've read with a couple of people that have, um, are going in for the show Two Broke Girls because they've seen on my profile that I was in that show, so they're asking me not just to read lines with them, but advice about the room and the casting director, which is invaluable. But yeah, and and the the other thing which is gonna you know, it's going to pertain to some of the questions we're speaking about later in this chat is uh, you, you discovered it on Twitter, but I actually discovered you and seeded that in your brain um, <laughs> by, by, by listening to your, your podcast. Cause we, I was researching the idea of doing a podcast. We rehearsed. I was looking at the competition out not the competition, but the other ones out there. And I, I found your podcast. I thought it was amazing. 
And so I followed you on Twitter from the We Rehearse account. I was like, you know, paying you a couple of compliments. So it wasn't as <laughs> as natural as you may think. Well, thank you. Uh, I appreciate the, uh, the compliment. I'm glad you're a listener. <laughs> I want to ask you, uh, has your experience as an entrepreneur benefited your acting career? Have you learned lessons in the entrepreneurial space that have translated into into benefiting your acting career? I would say yes, definitely. Um, not without its detriment. One of the lessons I, I feel like you learn as an entrepreneur that's perfect for acting is resilience. You've got to keep going no matter what. And you learn that, I mean, failure is a strong word. Um, you learn that that any negatives or any failures need to be turned around for the sake of your business. Um, I often hear these comparisons about acting being a business. You know, pe- people have a very entrepreneurial outlook to acting in Los Angeles. That's one of the key differences actually between the UK and the US to go back to that point is people in the UK tend to look at acting as, as very craft-like and luck-driven and, you know, all about the craft and the work. They hate the, the idea that it's a business. They hate the idea that there's money involved in terms of, like, from a production standpoint. They want it to just be, I'm the best person for the job, therefore I should get the job. It doesn't mean ma- matter if no one comes to see the movie, right? The thing I love about Americans, they see the business angle of it, and that trickles down to the actors. And you have a lot of coaches or, or seminars in LA talking about the business of acting, which I personally love. I think it's a great idea to, to understand it like that. The, the funny thing is, is most actors that see their acting as a business sit there and think in their head about marketing and think about strategy and think about this, but they're not really running it like a business because if they would, they'd be looking at their balance sheet going, holy crap. Yeah. Like, but they're not doing a balance sheet, right? Then they're not, they're not looking at their incomings and their outgoings in the same way a business does and tweaking and remodeling and, and figuring out that strategy. Yeah. And that's why they don't see the long game sometimes. They don't see how they're progressing and they'll get sort of down or they'll get um, just unmotivated. Whereas in business, you can't do that. You're like on it every day thinking, well, how do I make this better? How do I make this better? You don't really take those those knockbacks as if someone doesn't want to buy your product, you go, oh, all right, how do we make more people buy this product? How do we get more people looking at this? Whereas actors take it a bit, bit personally, even though they sit in their in their business of acting class talking about themselves as a product, whatever. They're not really developing it in the same way. So I've learned just to, to be resilient, to play for the long game. It's, you know, this is a lifelong business. And, and of course, I'm, I get unmotivated and I get unhappy where it's going sometimes. Um, but at the same time, I don't, I don't ever really feel like giving up because I put things in places to, to do what I need to do. I have my team in place, have my agents and, you know, biz, like business will go up and down. Yep. And unless it's catastrophically down, unless there's some sort of crash in your career, like there's a crash in a business. If that happens in your acting career, you got, you got to do something about it like you would in a business, but otherwise just keep evolving, keep learning. And that's the other thing with business. I think I, I'm always learning. I'm always understanding the industry. British actors again, tend to stop. They go, I've been to drama school. That's it. Now I'm out acting. No one would ever do that business. Right. I know that this, is, this question is not going to apply to uh, all of my listeners, but I'm sure there are some actors out there who also have that entrepreneurial gene and are thinking about a business idea or are starting a business or are currently running a business. 
what advice would you have for them? Uh, book recommendations for um, starting a business or running a business, um, resources. What would you say that uh, for somebody who's, who's just starting a business and just learning about business but is very passionate about it, what advice would you have for them? Okay, okay so my first bit of advice is um, know, know really why you're doing it. Um, have have your, your, your why really clear because I start businesses because I, I see something that I want to do for a market, right? I have an idea of something and I go, okay, I want to bring this to the world, right? If you are starting a business to make extra money, make sure it's not a business that needs more attention than your acting career, you know? So going to some sort of affiliate marketing or some sort of small internet-based solopreneur type thing because it does take a lot to run a business it does and if you if you get the wrong business i mean you might you might say okay i want to be in business and you go out and start a coffee shop that's not going to be any small task right it's going to be labor intensive you're not going to make a lot of money for a long time and you're going to neglect your acting career so you've got to make it balanced with what your current objectives are so that said, there can be businesses of all levels. You know, you, you could be doing something where you could work from your laptop in the Maldives. That's fine. So, so pick the right thing. Don't just say business. Um, second thing, like you said, you know, books and, yeah, read a lot. You know, study, study your area. It, you can't just get up and go, I'm going to start a business and it work out. You've got to know what you're doing. Right. Okay. When it comes to acting... Mm-hmm. What tip or piece of advice do you wish you'd heard earlier in your career? I know that's a very common question, but uh, yeah, it's a good one. Um, so it, it's the same tip and piece of advice as you learn from a lot of personal development and business stuff. And this this concept of the average five, the the five people you spend the most time with, is is your kind of average, you know, which I think is a little bit fluffy, but let's let's go with it for a second. If you think the people you surround yourself with they're going to have an impact and an influence on you for sure. It's, it's standard peer pressure stuff, right? So the more I listen to the, these, these success things, they talk about spending time with people that are already doing what you want to do. They're already successful. And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Why would you learn from someone not doing learn from people doing? So I would say the best tip that I would have had is to emulate more. Find the person or, or just, or just you don't even need to go out and find the person. When you meet people, when in your group of friends, be a little more clear about who's doing what you want to do and just study them. Look at them. What are they doing? If you've got a friend every day that's down the gym working out and you think he looks good, maybe that's the trick. Right? Right. Don't sit there with your fat friend eating fries complaining about how you're not losing any weight. Right. Look at your friend that looks great and go, hey, what do you do, man? What do you eat for breakfast? Same with acting. Same with anything. Yeah, I remember a friend of mine once came over from England. Uh, we're staying at the, uh, the Palazzo in L.A., which is a, it's a very nice furnished apartment complex. It's, it's kind of like the L.A. high life, right? Mm-hmm. It's right by the shopping center, the Grove, and it's, it's a nice pool area. Everyone's young. Everyone's attractive. And she once said to me, hey, uh, you know, can you help me out? I'm trying to get an agent you've got an agent. Can you, can you come and give me some advice? I was like, yeah, sure. So I went around there and we get a couple of margaritas by the pool. She's like, listen, like, so what, what can I do? And I was like, okay, so here's my tips. Do this, do this, do this. And she's like, oh, you know, it's just so hard. It's so hard. It's just not that easy. I was like, yeah, it is. 
She's like, no, it's, it's not. It's really, really hard. I said, look, it's Wednesday afternoon. You're sitting around by the pool drinking margaritas. She said, yeah, so are you. I said, yeah, I have an agent. <laughs> I, di- I did two auditions today. That's why I can sit and drink margaritas by the pool. She's like, well, it's like, did you do anything different when you got here? I said, yes, I did. Sat on the phone for two solid weeks, went out for meetings. Then when I got my agent, it's not like I didn't go out for a drink or have any fun during that time. But what I did do was put 10 solid hours in every single day of that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not invincible. I, I, I lose track sometimes as well. And I, you know, and, and I think it's very important actually on another note to have fun and enjoy life. I, I do not advocate just working your socks off with, with no other influence. But in that point, it illustrates it is, is she was resting on whatever laurel she had a little bit. Just, I said, you can't do that. If you want this, what do you want more? Do you want to sit by the pool? Or do you want an agent? Then go out and get yourself an agent, do the work. Mm-hmm. I also think that uh, in this in this business, I mean, in any business, misery loves company. But it seems especially prevalent in this business where it's yeah. it's it's so easy to get into a, a, like a complaining cycle with somebody, and it's just like a blame circle where you kind of comfort each other and being like, I can't work because this, and I can't work because this. And whenever I get, whenever I can tell somebody's trying to get into one of those conversations with me, I just try to get out of it. I try to get out as fast as I can. Because being around people who are complaining about the business is just going to do you no good at all. They have a, a, an external locus of control instead of an internal one. They feel like other factors around them are controlling their lives and they're, they're just not in control of them. It's better to surround yourself with people who feel like they can control their own lives. They can, if they don't like something, they can change it. She was getting the advice from you, somebody who was saying, do this, do this, you can do this, you can have this control. And she was saying, yes, but it's so hard. I can't do it. I can't do it. You know? Yeah. And get away from those people. Don't spend time with those people. Well, and there's, there's a, a kind of medium ground, though, because I think in a certain sense, you have to analyze what's going wrong in life. Now, if it's a conversation about, hey, this isn't happening for me because this, this, and this, and you're, you're taking stock of it. If you're just mundane complaining, that's a different matter. You know, but if you're actually trying to figure out, you've got to first identify what it is before you can figure it out. Right. And that might need a degree of of talking about it. You can't just, you know, on on the flip side, I dislike the sort of people that are ridiculously positive no matter what's going going on. Yeah. That are blissfully ignorant to stuff, right? Yep. It's like if you've had a car crash, you've had a car crash, your car is actually wrecked. Can you see the brighter side of it or can you just deal with it sure but you know you, you gotta still appreciate that your car's in a mess right. right yep um and 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 deal with that accordingly so don't don't have your blinkers on um and one other thing actually on that like i often i go to the coffee shop a lot around the corner from my house it's on sunset strip um i like to work work around there because I, I just kind of like, like the buzz and i always hear actor conversations actors will meet for coffee in the middle of the day and they'll sit there for Two hours sometimes. I'm sitting there doing my work, overhearing stuff. And it'll generally be quite complainy or it'll be gossipy. And then they'll get up at the end. And they f- you can tell on their faces, they feel like they've had a productive day. I met with my active friends. I worked on my career. I've even heard people saying that. Isn't it so great to just get together with people and work on your career? And I wanted to stand up and go, guys, you haven't worked on your career. Yeah. You've just sat there and gossiped and complained. Even if it made you feel better for that minute. And, and then I, the second thing I want to say to them is, you know, if you want to do this, 
get up at eight o'clock in the morning and do it. Doing that two o'clock in the afternoon, you're just filling your day up. Yeah. And, and no, no other business would do that. No, if you look at a successful business, the, the owners aren't sitting there reading a, a magazine article at two o'clock in the afternoon. They're doing it before work. They're doing it on the plane. They're, they're, they're maximizing their time. Yeah. Why, should, why should the acting industry be any different? You know, they should have auditions at that time. They should be working on lines. And if they haven't got auditions, they should be working on getting auditions. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. No, completely. <laughs> I'm probably sounding a bit, uh, a bit <laughs> angry right now, but I, it, it, it bugs me. No, it bugs me too. And I had a whole podcast uh, episode some time ago where I just went off on a huge rant about yeah. this kind of thing because it's, it, it really is especially prevalent in this business. You don't see... You don't see CEOs sitting around at Starbucks complaining about the business of being a CEO, right? Right, don't, exactly. You just don't exactly. see that. They, it's it's pointless and it's meaningless and it's uh, it's detrimental. Well, there's another little, uh, I guess, quote that you hear in a lot of books. It's uh, check out the cars in in the the coffee shop car park at seven a.m. BMWs, Mercedes, Bentleys. Check out the ones in the coffee shop at two p.m. Right. Some beat, beat up 12-year-old Toyota. And when I heard that and I walked around, now bearing in mind, I'm at the coffee shop at 2 p.m., but that, I, I'm working out there. Like, I, I work remotely. And I look around, I'm like, oh, so true. <laughs> it's so true. I love it. Um, taking it back to your acting career, what was the – and I don't know if I gave you the heads up on this, uh, on this uh, question, so this is going to be surprising okay. for you, but what was the best moment in your acting career? A moment where you were just filled with happiness and energy. Ah, um, yeah. What well, I mean, there's been a lot of moments like that. Um, I want to say, like, any time I've done a job, my my first my first ever job was was pretty. It was a commercial, Dr Pepper commercial, but that was a a pretty amazing moment because I got picked up by a nice fancy car in my very uh, you know small crappy town in North London driven to a, a film set that made the Hammer House of Horrors and, you know, treated well, made a commercial, had lunch with a celebrity actor working on another another thing. And I was like, wow, this, you, you know, it was nothing like, I wasn't sitting there thinking, oh, this is amazing, I've made it. What I thought then was, ah, this is actually a real profession. I could actually properly do this. That was the little light bulb that went off. Is this, all, all these people I'm working with, this is their job. That's nice. Because I, I, you know, I grew up in a town where where you wouldn't consider acting as a career for sure, you know. It, and so th that was one of those moments. Um, and you know, what? I've just I've just had so many of those moments in LA. With, whether you're at a party in LA, or you've just come out of an amazing audition that went really well, even if you didn't get it, or you know, there's just those little moments in LA where you like, yeah, living the dream. I, one one time, I I, li I mean, it's, it's as stupid and profound as this. I was coming over Laurel Canyon, uh, which is the, at the top of the Hollywood Hills. And there's just a little kind of point where you, you come over the top and then you go down, you see these, this beautiful view in the houses. And the sun was setting right there and it was this incredible sunset. And this song came on the stereo and I was just, I had a, the roof down in my car, which you can't ever do in England, even if you had a convertible. And I just felt this like, wow, I got, I got to this point. I don't care if I'm working, not working. This is amazing. And I guess, so here's the thing. You, you started it saying what point in your acting, and I'm going to tell you why this is relevant. That moment, it didn't have to be about acting. 
it had to be about being um, appreciative and and comfortable with where you're at. Now, I was in LA, like I said, as a, living as an actor. At the time that happened, that moment was, I wasn't getting loads of work because I just moved in. You have to sort of re- recreate your, your network and everything here again. But it was just, you know, it's important to, to enjoy your life outside of acting, I think. Again, any other profession, people work very hard at it, but no one, or gen- generally most people don't ignore everything else they love about life, which I find actors doing a lot. They'll go, oh, I'm coming to LA. I'm not here to make friends. I'm not here to have fun. I'm just here to work. Good on you and you might get some good jobs, but you're going to burn out and you're going to be a, an angry, annoyed person, probably, because you, you just, you're not experiencing any life. So for me, that, that moment is more life-based than it is career-based. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm going to flip it around. Uh, what was a point in your acting career, just a crushing blow? What was the, the, hardest, the hardest day to get through? I think, you know, we're talking about resilience. I think I have this ability to, to like be pissed off for a little bit and then come back from stuff anyway. Or I'm usually so busy that I just get on to the next thing because I have to. Um, I mean, I already explained about that time when I thought I had a movie with Forrest Whitaker and then I lost it. Right. That was, that was pretty, pretty bad. But it didn't last long. You know, it wasn't even that. You know, I want to, I'm going to turn this story around for you, right? Yeah. Because... If I think back to that moment when, so I, I basically thought I got it. The director had texted me and asked, asked me for my social security number, like stuff like, like that. And uh, my agent was like, yeah, you, you're number one on this. Well done. Like, they give me the well done talk and this is going to be great for you and whatever. And then called back to the, hey, you know, I just, I don't know how to tell you this. The, 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 they've changed their minds. They're not going to go with you. And that was, you know, that feeling of like, Oh my gosh, that, that would have been amazing. And, and the character I really, really thought would be fun to play. It was in a movie with Jessica Biel and Ray Liotta and uh, Lisa Kudrow and Chris Christopherson. It was going to be great. Here's the thing. Here's the turnaround for that. Like I said, I, I went to Malibu, had, had a drink on the beach, and I thought, okay, it's not that bad. Fast forward to now, I've written a film with that director. We're working on a film together. Okay, he's now one of my best friends in LA. I went out to see his premiere in Vietnam a couple of years ago of a film he made that... that you know smash box office records out there even go back to even right after that he invited me to the the rap party which some people may think was a strange thing right but yeah. but we were friendly at this point and there i met eddie redmayne and had a good chat with eddie redmayne and i, I learned a lot from eddie redmayne before he's the eddie redmayne that we know now had a nice honest honest chat with the guy so always positive stuff can come out of that right you know he'd just done i think he'd done elizabeth at that point this was his first proper leading role he hadn't done my week with marilyn or any of that stuff yet and he was you know going back to the average five thing he was someone that i looked at that i was like look i don't really know him and i know he's he's done a few bits obviously a lot more of me at that point and he just did the lead in this guy's movie so i kind of just thought yeah this is it's a good moment i can learn something from this guy i can you know i'm involved in this rap party even though i wasn't in the film that's all good and, and great, great things are going to come out of it, and they have done already, you know? Right. I'll also say that maybe that's not a good question, because the only crushing blow I ever had was right at the beginning of my acting career. I had, I had gone to an audition, and probably anybody who's been to a number of auditions has run into a casting director who just should have stayed home that day or maybe every day from that point on and just never spoke spoken to another actor 
I was it wasn't in Chicago, it wasn't in LA, and it wasn't in Minnesota. It was somewhere else. So I'm not going to say who it was, obviously. But and and, and uh, this person was just horrible to the actors, and I could see people coming out of this room before I went in, and they looked like they had just been shell shocked. Um, and I remember walking out of that audition and just feeling terrible and thinking. I don't ever have to go into another audition again if I don't want to. And that lasted a very short amount of time, and then I was back. But that was right at the beginning. And What did they do to you? The person came out of the room, first of all, and said, I don't want to see any fucking scripts in here, and then slammed the door and to a room of actors. Um, As in, don't bring your scripts in? Yeah. And that's probably completely the wrong advice, because when I got to to LA I would I would always learn my lines yeah and I got told off by my agent for not having a script in the room I know I know and uh that's a whole different topic because I learned that recently that I always thought I had to learn all my lines and it's such it's so backwards and it's yeah. so much harder well, I think to do I think there's something to be said for learning your lines but they like you to have the script there don't they? Yeah. yeah absolutely um so anyways and then and then the audition the casting director was just swearing and cursing at the actors I was in there with a few other actors uh one of the guys i went in with came out crying it was bad that's nuts it was bad but the thing is is what i was going to say is that would never i would never be bothered by that i mean maybe i would be bothered by it but that would never have any sort of effect on me anymore because i've been in it long enough and a question that i used to ask people is how do you deal with rejection right and the truth of the matter is if you're in it long enough there is no dealing with rejection. It's just fine. It's fine. Whatever. You know? Yeah, you got the job or you didn't get the job. It's, it's like, not an issue. Yeah. Yeah. You you get so good at just you cultivate the skill of moving on so quickly and knowing that there's gonna be other stuff and knowing that you're gonna get excited for stuff and then you're gonna get let down, that it's it becomes a real skill. And for all the people who are listening who who do get crushed by by not getting a job and they get really excited, just have faith in the fact that it's not that bad after a while. It, you just will get good at it. It won't be that hard. It just won't be that hard. You're not going to have to deal with that for your whole life. Right. But, and also just understand that, that, I mean, it sounds stupid to say it's not personal, but it's not personal, right? It's like you can sit there and, and think of all the reasons why you wanted that job and why you're perfect for it. But it's someone else's vision as well. And you might not have been perfect for that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know from, you know, I've produced and directed a little bit and you can have somebody come in that's a great actor or that's done a great job, but they're just not right for what you're looking for. It's not that you think they're a shitty actor. You just go, well, this is what, what, what I was thinking of. I'm going to move on and get the next person. Right. And Absolutely. that, that is the sort of way, if you understand it like that, you know, it's not personal. And then from a business point of view, I understand as well. Like, I'm, I've never been one to complain when someone's like, oh, I went for this job and, and they went for a name actor. I'm sick of all these name actors. I'm like, don't you get that? You don't get that? And they say, no, it should be about talent. I said, okay, so, you know, there's a great Darren Darnbra movie playing at the weekend at the cinema. Do you want to come with me? You're going to go, who's Darren Darnbra? If I go, there's a great Leonardo DiCaprio movie playing at the weekend, you go, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. Understand it that simply. If if you've never been to the cinema based upon the actor in the movie, then maybe argue that with me. If you if you if you constantly only go to art house cinemas, and then what argument I'll come back to you is that great, then you run your own art house cinema because those don't make money. So if you want to be on a big screen in a nice fancy 3D projection with nice seats and popcorn, then you better start understanding that names make money. You know. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You're, you're See, right I think money. you just got to be pragmatic about this business, and then, and then, it's, it, and that's not to say, look, we're, we're we're still human. We still get upset when we don't get things, or, or there'll be certain roles that we're like, oh, I really wish that I'd got that. I'm not saying be numb to emotion. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying don't let it affect you um, to the degree that you don't carry on doing what you do great. Mm-hmm. Don't let so. it crush you. All right. Well, Darren, I, I've kept you on for a long time and uh, we didn't get to all these questions, but uh, we'll have to do a round two in the future. But I want to ask you this one last question. A lot of the people that listen to this podcast are just starting out in this career. What is the single best piece of advice that you would give them? Okay. If it has to be concise, stay in the game. Just keep going and, and keep improving, keep learning. The longer you stay in it, the, the more chance there are for people to drop out around you. So you're effectively funneling the competition. I think one of the reasons why you see actors become successful in their later years is simply natural selection. There's a lot of actors that go, oh, you know, I mean, famous example is George Clooney, right? Or even Matthew McConaughey, you know, went through his, his you know, like heartthrob bit and went out the other end. But or Nicolas Cage, or whatever, they, they started doing little bits here and there, and then suddenly they became stars. And they were a lot older than, you know, the young Twilight crew, for instance, who are the anomaly. It's just because they've got hours and weeks and years on people. And as they get older, people have families, drop out, go to a more stable career, do all these different things. Your competition is bound to get, get less because how many mature actors decide at the age of 40, oh, I'm going to go to a drama school and become an actor? A few, but not like they do when they come out of school. So your competition is getting less, your skills are getting more refined, you're getting more comfortable. So it's obviously the longer you do it, the more chance I think you have of, of doing what you want to do in it. Stay in the game. Next time you're preparing for an audition, I highly recommend you check out Darren's company, We Rehearse, at werehearse.com. If you have a question you'd like Darren to answer on an upcoming episode, Ask it on Twitter, at action underscore podcast, or call the podcast voicemail at 206-424-9368. As always, if you like this podcast and you haven't already, please go to iTunes and give me a rating and review. I'm Lee Foster. Thank you for listening.